0: just the fact that they ran it and the clock like I, I just don't think the time would be there and then of course it's the strip sack and then yeah you know yeah. the avalanche
1: yeah this is a fun pod <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I,
0: I, the I'm worst crazy. 28 to 3 have not come out of my mouth they have I'm not well either. they have now but they had not come out of my mouth uh, until then Hey everybody, what's up? Trey Wingo here back with you and welcome into Season 8 of Half Forgotten History. Hard to believe we've already put seven seasons in the books or on the interwebs or on my YouTube page or on the podcast app you use. Whatever, you know what I mean. We're really excited about this season. We've got some great guests lined up, including the guy we're kicking off Season 8 with. He's the guy that the Colts have looked to to try and replace the revolving door quarterback ever since Andrew Luck retired. We're talking, of course, about Matt Ryan finally playing for a team besides the team that drafted him in the first round in 2008, the Atlanta Falcons. What's the adjustment been like? What are his expectations in Indy? And Yeah, what happened in Super Bowl 51, 28-3? to 3? We'll get to all of that. So here we go. Episode one, season eight. New Colts quarterback, Matt Ryan. Enjoy. Let's start here. Do you know that you're in the most elite company in the history of the NFL? You're one of four players. Four players in the history of the NFL who has thrown for at least 50,000 yards and been an MVP and has changed teams. Do you have any idea who
1: the other three are? Well, I got I to gotta imagine it's Peyton Manning. I've Correct. Imagine Tom Brady. Correct. And uh, the fourth, you know, my gut is Drew, but I know that's not Drew.
0: Think of um, the number.
1: Brett Favre.
0: Boom! There you go. Congratulations. So listen, this is my way of saying no pressure. Brady went on to win a Super Bowl. Manning went on to win a Super Bowl. Favre should have taken uh, the Vikings to the Super Bowl and thought you threw that horrendous interception in the NFC Championship game. So the bar is set for
1: you. Well, it's good company to be in. I like being in that company as often as I can. And uh, hopefully I can do what some of those guys did in those other places. That's for sure.
0: Well, you're in the process of that as we're taping this now. You're going through OTAs. Um, how much were you aware that there was the potential that you would be moving after all those years in Atlanta? Did you have any sort of inkling? Were you were you getting an idea?
1: Not not really after the season ended. Um, you know, and, and I think the one thing you know that the longer you're around is 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 you really understand that a lot of movement tends to happen right around that free agency period. And so right. as we got closer to that. Um, you know, I would still say I was pretty sure I was going to be back there. But, you know, that like they do with all positions, kind of evaluating what they want to do moving forward. Um, and it really when it went down, it went down pretty fast, you know, with, yeah. within within a week. Um, you know, my mindset had changed uh, pretty drastically. And so um, I'm happy with where I'm at. You know, I'm happy without things shook out. You know, I felt like, um, you know, although you know, some of the things you didn't love were going on. I I always felt like I was in the loop and and really, you know, transparency is all you can ask for. Right. Sort of shifted.
0: Did they tell you, Hey, we're going to try and move you. And did they involve you in any way about, did you have a preference?
1: Yes. Yes. And and they were really, really good. Atlanta was really good about that of, of understanding that, you know, it, it was probably best for everybody. Um, you know, and everybody says that it's, it's you know, yeah. it's, it's best for everybody, but it was probably best for everybody. Um, and you know, as I started to, on my end, do some, some research and, and figure out what might be a good fit for me. Um, they were, they were actually, you know, great, great, um, you know, to, I don't want to say work with, but they, they were, yeah. it, it worked out really well and, and they were, um, you know, more than willing to try and help me get to where I wanted to get to.
0: Yeah, you know, that's interesting because a lot of times players will just say, you know what, didn't hear a word, didn't hear a thing. How rare do you think it is that Arthur and everybody with Atlanta was willing to sort of include you and work with you?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I can't, I can't really speak for, you know, how other organizations, I've been with two now, and, you yeah. know, how, how other organizations and relationships have worked. Um you know, I think it's unique. I think probably, you know, you mentioned those four guys. You know, I think each of our circumstances were unique, and that we were with, you know, the same place for such a long time, uh, and developed, you know, very personal relationships. And and while there is the business side of it, um, those personal relationships will continue as you know, as as we move forward. And I think that probably led to some of the transparency. You know, of of them feeling like. You know, for 14 years, I did everything I could to do right by them and uh, be the best player I could. And it, when it, you know, it came time to to move on and and the situation changed, uh, I appreciate that that they felt compelled to do right by me.
0: So, as you said, get you said get to where you wanted to go. This was the wildest off season ever in the history of the NFL, especially with the idea of quarterbacks. Like normally, quarterbacks are a fairly stable position, right? You have one, you ride one forever. It felt like this year quarterbacks were going all over the place and you were, you were a part of that. What made Indy, in your mind, the right place if you were going to leave Atlanta? Well, I
1: thought, you know, I, I thought a few things. I thought, number one, uh, when you look at the roster, um, I thought it was a, a really good roster that fits, you know, some of the things that I do really well. This is a place that has hung their hat on running the football. Uh, and I feel like throughout my career, I've done a great job in the play-action-pass game Uh, in, you know, the years where I feel like I've been at my best, uh, we've been able to get that rolling. And so, you know, I felt like that was a good situation to come into. Uh, You looked at the defensive side of the ball. I think it's a defense that has played really well for a handful of years and has good players all over the place. Uh, And that's something, you know, as a quarterback, particularly as you become more experienced, you're around a long time, you understand, you know, good defense keeps you in the game every week. Uh, And, you know, for me, that – that two parts of it from the roster standpoint and the players that they had here were, were huge. Uh, and then, you know, talking to other people who had worked with um, Chris Ballard, um, you know, and, and what he was all about and, and the vision that he had for building a football team uh, impressed me. And then, you know, really it's Frank, right too. I mean, just yeah. the person that he is um, understanding, you know, the, the background that that he's had, both as a coach and as a player, uh, the guys that I know that have played for him, that have, have worked with him, uh, he just, you know, both those guys came highly recommended. And so um, to me, I wanted something that uh, was stable in a lot of areas, you know, um, an organization that was stable uh, in terms of its roster, an organization that was stable in terms of, of its front office and, and a coaching staff that that i have a lot of belief in so um it just checked you know this this place checked a lot of the boxes that i was looking for
0: what what was your relationship with frank like before you got there
1: i knew him in passing uh, uh yeah. really um and it's odd you know he, he reminded me of this but the first time we met uh was actually here in indianapolis at the combine uh, we were both leaving on at a certain time and both working in different places right and uh, he had come up and just and, and we had spoken for a few minutes. Uh, and it's just funny sometimes how, you know, life comes full circle. But uh, I knew a bunch of the guys that have played for him uh, well, you know, like a bunch of the quarterbacks that have played for him. Uh, a, you know, we, we had a handful of guys that I knew that have coached with him. Um, and 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 that was I leaned on the guys that I knew better uh, and, and you know, knowing that they would shoot me straight and, and, and give me, you know, what Frank was really like on the day-to-day and the reputation. And uh, his is it really, I mean, as good as it gets in this league. Yeah, he's kind of like, you know, sort of
0: this generation's quarterback whisperer, right? I mean, for a lot of years, that was Bruce, you know, whether it was uh, – in in Arizona or what he did in Tampa. Now he's in the front office there, obviously in Pittsburgh and he stopped by and and did great things in Indianapolis as well. But you get the feeling that Frank Reich is considered one of those coaches that knows how to get the most out of every quarterback that plays for
1: him. I certainly get that feel and he does it in different ways. You know, you mentioned Bruce too. I think like those guys have such a knack. They're they're all different players that they've done it with. You know, it's not, it's not like a cookie cutter. uh, Let's fit this guy into this mold. They've got, they've got a depth of, of knowledge of the position uh, and understanding that it can be done a lot of different ways. And, and they have a really good feel for, you know, what guys' talents are. Um, and not catering everything just to those talents, pushing guys to get better in certain areas, but also, you know, allowing them to be comfortable uh, in the things they're asked to do. And um, in the short amount of time, I mean, the six or eight weeks that we've been able to, to really work together, um and watching the cut-ups of what they've done here in Indianapolis what what they did in in San Diego with Philip, um and and what they did in Philadelphia it's all different you know and and I think that's the really cool part uh and him explaining why they were doing things with certain guys what they felt like their strengths were really allowed me to say hey these are some of the things I like you know of of what we're doing and, and this is what you know I feel comfortable with
0: well, that's interesting because someone would think, well, you've been in the league 14 years. You've had all kinds of success. You're an MVP. What, what would you see in what they do that's different? Like what, when you say it's different, how is it different from the other situations that you found yourself in?
1: Well, I think, I think just what gets emphasized, right? And so um, I think when you're in the same building for a long time, um, you know, while you may be changing coaching staffs, There's really that feeling of this is the way we do it, you know, like, because a lot of the players stay the same, even though, even though you go through different coordinators or different uh, head coaches, a lot of the players remain. And so there, there's just a, I don't know how to explain it, but when you're in the same place for a long time, this is, this is how I do it, you know? And, and so a lot of times it's, it's the coach adjusting to the players. And and I think in this case, you know, I'm the one guy coming into a roster that's, you know there's there's a ton of continuity loaded with pro bowlers from last season yeah exactly loaded with pro bowlers guys that have done it at a high level and you look around and you say listen I don't want to disrupt all of what has been going on here that's been really good um it's it's more of how can I fit in how can I add in certain areas and and try and make this team better
0: well it's interesting we're doing this in the middle of OTAs and I just pulled up this this uh, article. I want to. I want to read the headline to you. It's uh, Matt Ryan's fiery moment at OTAs, applauded by Pro Bowl teammates. Apparently, <laughs> it was at the end of a session and things weren't going well. And according to Forrest Buckner, they had some errors. The offense. He got the whole offense to of a huddle and just ripped him a new one. So apparently, fiery Matt Ryan is coming to Indianapolis, baby.
1: Well, listen. Yeah, I think. I think. I think a lot of people have me pegged incorrectly you know and i am pretty low-key and and you know pretty easy going um but i am a little bit fiery when i get on the field you know and and there's a certain expectation that we want things done the right way and sometimes sometimes you got to rip somebody's ass you know that's okay this is football that's what you got to do and uh you know it comes from a good space but um you know there's a standard. I really believe this here. There's there's been a really good standard set. Not you know not only from the players in this building, but but you talk about like the legacy of you know a Peyton Manning that that built sure. this place that won so many division championships. There's an expectation for success within this building, and um, you know in order to do that, you got to do it every day. Whether it's OTAs, yeah. whether it's walkthrough, whether it's whatever, we got to be locked in. And it's a young group, you know. It really is. Uh, it's it's a talented group, but it's a young group. Uh, in a group that I think can grow quite a bit, even though they've been very good, you know, up until this point. So
0: we're at OTAs right now. And really, this is the first time in the last three off seasons that we've had any sort of semblance of normalcy when it comes to OTAs. Obviously, uh, in 2020, everything was shut down. Last year, there were all these protocols still put in place to just make sure we get to the season with COVID. How important is is it for you, jumping over after 14 years, to be in a, a new place, to have a normal off-season, sort of get yourself ramped up?
1: Yeah, it's huge. You know, um, I feel so fortunate, you know, that we're at the space where we can get back in the building every day. We can work. We can do the things we need to do uh, in order to get ready. Um, and, it, it, you know, those off-seasons were obviously much easier. Um you know, not easy from the standpoint of, you, you know, you're certainly worried about, you know, COVID and all those things and the protocols. But it's easier because you're in the same place, right? Like, you know, the building, yeah. you know how it operates, you know how things go. And, and you know, to to be making this transition and coming in here and getting a feel for how it operates and how it flows uh, pretty quickly has been good. And I also think it's it's really good too, you know, as a veteran player um, coming into a roster that is young. Um, of of letting those young guys know that haven't had the opportunities to go through this time of the year, um, yeah. to say, hey, listen, like we, we need to make progress now. It's not about you know getting in shape, knocking off some rust. It's about getting better, uh, and and we need to take advantage of this time. So, I think from both standpoints, it's been really good.
0: Yeah, Mark Schlereth, who I've been friends with for years, always used to say this about preseason and OTAs. It may not count, but it matters, right?
1: Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree you know, I used to watch you guys on there too, all the time. And, and I love listening yeah. to Mark, uh, uh, you know, he's old school and, yeah. and, and I, I love kind of his, his take on it. And I think it's weird for me to say this now, cause I still feel young, but, but I feel like my mindset is. old. So school, do I bro. You know? And
0: the beard is telling me otherwise. So I get it. Believe me, I get it. <laughs> yeah,
1: totally. But I agree with that. You know, we, we might not have wins or losses attached to practices, you know, this time of the year, but the reason we're going to win is because of the work that we're putting in right now and, yeah. and the growth that, that you know, we, we need uh, to be the best version of ourselves. So, I, you know, I, I, I couldn't agree more with that.
0: Um, speaking of offensive linemen who are throwbacks in old school, have you had a Quentin Nelson moment yet?
1: Listen, I'm ready for the pads to go on. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, ready, I'm ready for the pads to go on to, to, to watch what he's doing. It's definitely a little yeah. more restrained with the offensive defensive line. You know, this time of the year, it's yeah. more of, you know, past game emphasis. But um, he's been awesome, you know, and I, I've heard stories about him for a long time. So my cousin, uh, Mike McGlinchey, played at oh, Notre yeah, Dame. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, with with, yeah. with And so I've heard stories about him, you know, since he, since he was young at Notre Dame and, and what he's all about and to be able to play with him and, you know, just see the mindset that he has every day. It's been really cool. Yeah, McGlinchey. Believe me, I
0: was all over that McGlinchey story when he was being drafted and thrown the, the whole thing. We, we painted the whole picture, including Matt Ryan in that, in that whole thing. Uh, so this podcast is called Half Forgotten History. So we're excited about your future with Indianapolis. We're looking forward to uh, what happens, but we got to delve in some other things as well. So why don't we take our first break here and we'll come back with Matt Ryan on this episode of Half Forgotten History. Stay with us. All right, guys, time for a little Matt Ryan trivia brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans, unlocking your potential to drive your ambitions as far as you want to take them. Since he was drafted third overall in 2008, how many games do you think Matt Ryan has missed in his career? Listen for the answer at the top of the next break. You know, you open up a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter and you're opening more than doors. You're unlocking potential to do your own thing, be your own boss, and live out your own dreams. With 16 body types, your choice of a gas or diesel engine and thousands of ways to customize, a Sprinter van is capable and versatile enough to help you drive your ambitions as far as you want to take them. So go ahead, unlock your potential inside a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter. All right, back with the new Colts quarterback, which still seems a little weird. Uh, Matt Ryan here on this episode of Half Forgotten History. Um, Your career in Atlanta really spanned everything, right? It was... Uh, sort of the transition from the Michael Vick years in Atlanta to a brand new area of of Falcon football, where you guys were in the playoffs all the time. When someone says to Matt Ryan, if you could sum up your time as a Falcon, what would you say?
1: Um, Yeah, I think, I think it had some highs. It had some lows. Uh, There's no doubt about it. Um, I think, you know, one of the things I'm proud of during that time is is the level of consistency, number one that I played with, but two, as a football team, we had for a long time. <laughs> like, you know when I got there, uh, there had never been back to back winning seasons in the history of the organization. And I, I didn't know about that until my second year when we were going down to Tampa and we were eight and seven, and uh, we were out of the playoffs at the point. it was my second year. But it was like the biggest thing going that we had to win this game, Uh, you know, because of of just the history of the organization of of just kind of it being a roller coaster year to year Uh, and the consistency that that we brought and And um, the ability first, you know, five years for the first five years to go to the playoffs, uh, make a run to the to the Super Bowl, obviously fall a little bit short the following year, get back to it. Um, I just I'm, I'm really proud of it. And um you know, I'm I'm proud that I was able to be there a lot long and and to provide really, you know, one of the better decades, decades and a half of, of Falcons, you know, football. Yeah.
0: Since you brought up Super Bowl Fifty One, uh, let's let's, <laughs> let's 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 chat a little bit about that. Uh, obviously, that was your MVP season. Fantastic things for you. I was at that game, and I. I, I Peter Schrager will will confirm this. We talked before the everyone else was picking New England. We're like, Falcons are going to win the Super Bowl. I mean, we just went through the whole thing, Fal- and we are feeling so smug. We are feeling like people should have just listened to us, man. We were so <laughs> convinced, you know, when we we were going to be this shining light of prognostication in this Patriot Sea, and then it all went sideways, like what what are your recollections about how the game began and when did you feel like oh hold on a minute here
1: you know um it began great you know yeah have to be honest Uh, we came out firing and you know we played well um and and did a lot of good things we knew it was going to be a battle um going into it just their experience having played in that game so many times the toughness that that organization is built on uh, playing against Tom Brady and, and just, you know, his capacity to, to find ways to win games. We knew it was going to be a grind. Um, I really believe we were going to win no matter what the circumstances were and felt like, you know, what what's so hard is felt like we had the game one um, when we hit Julio on the sideline, you know, just uh, unbelievable catch. And, and we had such a, a consistent kicker in matt bryant it was automatic and um fail boy you know, yeah yeah there you go uh just a just an unbelievable um guy who had you know you talk about forgotten history how consistent he was in atlanta for so long just unbelievable yeah. and so you know i still believed it and we had an opportunity you know getting the ball back late in the game still felt like we were gonna have a chance and and then it kind of when when the overtime started and they started driving, it was like, oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that was probably it. That that last drive in overtime, kind of realizing, man, this is this is uh, this isn't going to go our way. This is not how I, you know, envisioned this going. But um, you know, I'm proud of the effort. You know, it's it, it, it's it's hard. You look back and and um, you know, should have, could have, would have, would have liked to have done a few things different. Um, but certainly know, you know, the next time I'm in that situation, feel like I'm certainly capable of going and playing my best football because I think most of the night I did that.
0: Yeah, you did. And, and you mentioned the catch by Julio. For those that don't remember, this was after uh, the, the Patriots had tied the game and you guys came down and it was a sideline catch by Julio Jones that looked like it put you guys in field goal position. Then you had a penalty and a sack and you guys had to punt. But I will die on this hill because everyone loves the Edelman catch, uh either was it in overtime or in regulation or it was junk regulation and, you know it, it was in regulation right and he made the and it was an incredible catch I want to be clear and it was gritty and it was incredible and it was just there was no give up but what Julio did on the sidelines that was a better catch in that game and I don't think it's even close
1: listen they got their ring they got their trophy so you know good for them but that was a better catch Julio's was it a was. there's no question about it. And and just yeah. uh un- It was unhuman. It really was. And you know, the ability to go up and get it, number one, but then also, you know, toe drag that and and be able to, you know, secure the football going down. I mean, what a he's just he's such a stud, such an unbelievable uh, you know, yeah. unbelievable player. So that was an awesome play. The other thing I'll always try
0: and tell people about that game, it's an indication of why. Always take the points, okay? I remember sitting in this field, like, "Oh, they should go for it on fourth down." The paper, no, they're kicking the field goal to stay in the game, and they kept kicking field goals, which kept them in the game. I mean, if they had gone for it on that fourth down instead of the kick that made it twenty-eight to twelve, well, then if they're short, it's not a two-possession game anymore, and they're out of it. I mean, that to me is the living example of why you should always take the points.
1: I agree. I'm a believer. You know, extend the game as long as you can. And and yeah. you're exactly right. Take the points. Take take those kind of things. Let's make this a game as long as you can, because I believe too. When you have a great quarterback, or or you know, I always think of of myself this way. If if we have the ball, we have a chance. You know, we we have yeah. a chance um, regardless of how the first three quarters have shaken out. If we're in the mix and, and there's there's an opportunity, we're going to find a way.
0: Yeah. So after that field goal comes the infamous third and one play. Right. And there was confusion because I think Freeman was late because Tevin Coleman got hurt and it was a third and one. And I've always said and, you know, I want to get your opinion on this. I've always said if you you just ran it on third and one and even if you didn't get the first down, the idea of the time running off the clock and the flipping of the field with the punt probably would have ended the Patriots chances of scoring two touchdowns and two extra points to to tie the game
1: is this the play with the sack fumble? There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That one hurt. We had action too. Aldrick Robinson was running like a pylon route. He's coming wide open. And so, um, you know, it's hard because we had played aggressive that entire year and, and, um, you know, you, you, you want to, you want to stay within what you were doing, you know, who who you were, what got you there. Um, but, I mean, hindsight's 2020. 20. Didn't work out, so you're probably right, you know. And so we, yeah. we we obviously would have done something different, but um, yeah, that was that was a tough pill to swallow. Yeah,
0: because there was confusion because Freeman was coming in late because Coleman was hurt, right? And he didn't understand the, the assignment. I don't listen. Like you said, it's easy to look at hindsight, but I, I just in my head I always go, even if they don't get the first down, yeah. just the fact that they ran it. And the clock, like, I, I just don't think the time would be there. And then, of course, it's the strip sack and then, yeah, you know, yeah. the avalanche.
1: Yeah. This is a fun pod. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I, the worst 28 to three have not come out of my mouth. They have I not, well, they have now, but they had not come out of my mouth uh, until then. Does Does Kyle Shanahan have a running the ball issue? Like, you know, in Super Bowl 54, uh, the, the chiefs have just scored and they on first down, they rip off seven yards. And then on second and second and three and third three he throws it both times. And then the chiefs get the ball back and score.
1: Well, I love Kyle. I'm going to start there. Yeah. I love Kyle. Um, I do too. I oh, want to yeah. be clear. I 100%. love Kyle. Yeah. And nobody, yeah. this is the thing. Nobody runs the football. I mean, he runs the football as well as anybody in the last correct 10, 12 years of the NFL. Um, but yeah, I wish was, a couple of rounds would have been good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Kyle, we love you. We're just trying to help. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah, we no love problem. you. We're, we're just trying to help.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: Yeah, we're, we're, we're team players. All right, let's go back a little further. Like, the draft now is a circus. Like, it's an insane reality television show with all this stuff, and Vegas was over the top. I think if you had told, if you tell this to someone who wasn't around or wasn't a football fan when you were drafted, they wouldn't believe you that the number one pick in the 2008 draft, Jake Long, was signed before the draft began. That's right. By the Miami Dolphins. Like, can you imagine that existing in today's world?
1: Man, it's so different. You know, I think back to my experience during that time. um, And I guess there were like six of us. We were up in New York, which I kind of. You know, and, and don't get me wrong. I think these cities have done an amazing job uh, hosting the draft. Yeah. But I always thought there was something special about it being it was New York City, you know, and you were lucky enough. It was a small group of guys who were there and to wow. have had that experience the entire week uh, of being up there. The draft was on Saturday noon. You know, you mentioned it. Jake yeah. Long was signed like two weeks before. He was like it the was most rela- the most relaxed guy I've ever seen up there. I got to know Jake well. And uh, you know he was so chill up there in New York, kind of knowing everything was going down. He was relaxed and and just having a good time, you know. But it was uh, it, it's it, it's amazing how much it's it's changed uh, in the 15 years, you know, since I was drafted. And you know, to a certain extent, it's good. You know, it's it's probably grown. You know, the NFL in certain ways, and and you know, oh, yeah. been great for the fans. There's no question about that. I do miss a little bit of that Radio City Music Hall saturday afternoon the draft was getting started we're getting those rounds going uh and it was a two-day deal
0: yeah it was a blast and it, maybe if your name was matt long you would have been drafted first i know because I know. it was jake long one chris long number two to the rams and you went number three what kind of conversations did you have leading up to the draft uh with the dolphins because they were in need of a quarterback i, I told some friends of mine that are dolphin fans i'm getting uh getting texts from them right now saying tell him he should have been a dolphin. Did you think in any way, shape or form, you were going to Miami or did Bill shut that down very quickly?
1: Well, uh, you know, two weeks before when they signed Jake, I, I knew that wasn't going to happen, but um, yeah. you know, I didn't know. I didn't know. Um, obviously met with yeah. them and, you know, uh, did, you know, kind of the workouts, the whole deal that that you do with those organizations. But for whatever reason, you know, they, they were dead set on Jake and listen, Jake was a great player. Um, you know, had some injuries, but I mean, he was, he was an unbelievable player coming out of school, had some great years in Miami. Um, he ended up playing with us in Atlanta for a short stint too, which was cool a handful of years later. Um, but I knew that, you know, probably about a month out, you know, I knew that, that probably wasn't going to happen. Uh, and then really, you know, I knew it was St. Louis at the time had Mark Bolger, and um, yeah. you know knew that that probably wasn't a likelihood unless they traded out. Uh, and really thought, you know the teams that it probably came down to at least for me, uh, at the time were Atlanta, uh, Kansas City, you know, I think Kansas City was maybe drafting five or something like that. Uh, the New York Jets were at six, uh, and the Baltimore we Ravens- dodged that one. yeah,. yeah. <laughs> and and, and uh, the ba- Baltimore Ravens were further down, but there were talks of, of possible trades. Uh, of them moving up and so it really to me it was it was probably those you know four uh four teams that that were really in the mix
0: it, it's just so crazy to think about it now like I I know we just come came off a draft where quarterbacks weren't really a, a big part of the picture except for Kenny Pickett in the first round but if there's a, a franchise type quarterback who goes three it's almost impossible in this day and age to think that he wouldn't go one you know what I mean right
1: yeah it was different I remember my agent Tom Condon was telling me he's like of course you're going number one. You're going number one, you know, yeah. to, and he was representing Jake too. And so he's like, Oh, they, they got to, they, you know, they have to, if they don't have the quarterback, they got to take the quarterback. Um, And Tom is the best. No question about that. Uh, but yeah. he wasn't right on this one. Uh, I ended up going, through, it, it worked out pretty well.
0: No, it did. You had a, you had a great run in uh, in uh, Atlanta, and now, of course, uh, you're getting ready for Phase 2 in Indianapolis. All right, let's take our final break here. We'll come back and finish things up with Matt Ryan here on Half Forgotten History. When you open up a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter, you're opening more than doors. You're unlocking potential. The potential to do your own thing, be your own boss, and live out your own success. Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van owners live, work, and play out their dreams, no matter how far off the beaten path it takes, because they know there's nothing like following your own passions and reawakening the spirit of adventure that lies within all of us. With 16 body types, your choice of a gas or diesel engine, and thousands of ways to customize, a Sprinter van is capable and versatile enough to help you drive your ambitions wherever you want to take them. So go ahead, now's the time. Unlock your potential inside a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter. Alright, so I know you're dying, for it. so here it is. The answer to the Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van trivia question about Matt Ryan. He has missed a grand total of three. Three games since being drafted third overall in the 2008 draft. Now back to more of our Half Forgotten History episode with the previously mentioned the guy who's only missed three games in his entire career, Matt Ryan i right, back with Matt Ryan here on this episode of Half Forgotten History. So, like we said, you're in phase two of your NFL career, 14 years in going into year 15. You know, the game has changed dramatically in terms of how it's officiated, especially for the quarterbacks. Do you, in your mind, have an idea at the age of 37 how long you think you can do this or you want to do this?
1: You know, I, I, I don't have, like, a number, but I know, you know, um, my body feels really good, you know, from, from like a – competitive standpoint i still want to get out of every bit you know out of bed every day and do this like this is um that part hasn't changed at all you know i think you you kind of nailed it too saying like the officiating has changed the way the game is played is different and you know i think part of that and me being you know the strength of my game is passing from the pocket you know so you know some of the things you might lose you know, with age, speed, and those things have never really been the strong, you know, the the, the things I hang my hat on. Uh, I, think, I think. Same. Yeah. Same. Yeah, Just exactly. On. Exactly. And so, you know, I think the way that I play, the way that um, the, the game is officiated now, uh, the way I take care of myself and, and feel like I've gotten myself into a good routine, I do think it leads to guys playing longer. I mean, you, you definitely see that. Um, but I feel like I'm in a great spot. You know, I don't I don't sit here and say, like, I'm going to play until I'm 45. You know, I'm not sure, you know, that's exactly what I want to do. But at 37, I feel great. I'm in this new spot. I'm playing with a young, you know, young group of guys that uh, make you feel younger every day you're in the building. And um, to me, you know, I, I really still like feel that there's a lot of gas in the tank.
0: How important is that, though, to be around younger guys that sort of rejuvenate you,
1: right? Yeah, I think it's, I think part of it is that, you know, and that was the same case in Atlanta last year, really. I mean, we we had a really young football team there uh, and, and, you know, part of, you know, teaching those guys and, you know, just when you're around 55, 60 different guys that are all 25, 26 or younger, you know, you uh, inevitably you just feel like you're 25, 26, you know, even though you're a little longer in the tooth and and maybe have a few more miles on your bones. But, um, you know, I still feel, I still feel in my mid twenties, you know, and uh, you know, still feel really good. Is Tom Brady the devil? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what but he's 45 years old. He he looks better than he's
0: ever looked like he threw it at 44. He had the most touchdown passes and the most yards he's had to make a deal with the devil, right? That's the only, that's the only explanation. I don't
1: know what he's done. He's done something. Uh, what, what, whatever he's done, it's worked. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think that, I think you're right though. You know, haven't played them in division last year. What's amazing to me is arm strength, velocity, like touch, like he looks to me like he's thrown it, it better has than changed. he has has, like ever has. And, yeah. um, it, yeah. to me, it's inspirational because it's like, no, you can get better. You know, it, it requires more work, more dedication, uh, and, and sacrifice than at different points of your life, but it's in there. You're, you're capable of doing it. And, um, uh, you know, I'm, I guess I'm thankful, uh, him for that you know I, I, i'm mad at yeah. him for a few other things but i'm thankful for that <laughs>
0: for a few other reasons yeah. Yeah. and tom if you're watching we're kidding of course <laughs> it's just kind of ridiculous how you continue to do this all right of all the young guns in the league the young quarterbacks is there one that you look and go that guy like when they're all said and done that guy's going to be the one
1: well, i think there's some really good ones right now um played played against josh allen last year for the first time up in buffalo he's very impressive big strong physical Um, he takes a beating, you know, that that's, that's the hard thing. He he takes a beating, but he's so big and and physically gifted reminds me of like young Ben Roethlisberger, you know, guys sometimes forget, you know, how athletic Ben was at the start. He was nimble man for a
0: big boy. He was nimble. unbelievable.
1: Um, Obviously Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he he's, he's had an incredible start to his career. It's not that young anymore. I mean, he's, he's been doing it for for a handful of years now. Um, the, the young guy that, and, and I mean, Joe Burrow last year, like phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, I really think Justin Herbert is interesting, you know, watching him uh, a couple different times who played against him, big physical. I mean, he's huge. He's like massive in person. Uh, he's yeah. so athletic, but he, th- he throws it. He throws it really well too. I mean, he's got power. He's got touch. He's got accuracy. Um, I feel like the positions in a good space. There's a lot of really good young players right now.
0: Yeah, it might be with with guys like yourself and Aaron and, and uh, Tom and then all the young guns. I feel like the position might be as deep as it's been in 20 years.
1: I don't disagree. I mean, you got some veteran guys. Yeah. You mentioned it. Tom's still playing at a high level. Aaron's still playing at a high level. Uh, Matthew Stafford, you know, winning the Super Bowl last yeah. year, playing great. Um, you know, and then all these young guys uh, that you mentioned, um, it's – it's really, you know, it's competitive right now. I mean, I switched over to the AFC and like forever I was in the NFC and it was like, man, all these quarterbacks are in the NFC. I got to see Drew Brees every year. I got to see Aaron Rodgers. You know, you're going yeah. against these guys. That And now it's like, well, I just switched over and now it's, I got to see, <laughs> you know, Patrick Mahomes. You got to see Derek Carr. You got to see Justin Herbert. You got loads of good players, um, you know, at, at the position right now. It's fun. Uh, it,
0: it really is. Um, And for those that have forgotten you went to Boston College, so I always like to ask this question. Uh, You're walking and you see two guys in front of you. They're both bald and you know them both. From the back of their heads, could you pick out which one is Matt Hasselbeck and which one is Tim Hasselbeck?
1: Well, for sure off the height, I can can know off the height which one I'm going to see Matt and Tim. But if they were on the same level, I'm not sure I could call it. I'm not sure I could call it. (laughs)
0: It's like following Stewart Sink, and Jim One hundred percent. Right? I mean, which dome? Which dome is it? I don't I'm know. Not quite sure. And, and I, I appreciate the honesty in that answer. Um, when we started this podcast today, our producer is was in a kerfuffle because he can't find his wallet. So I always have this question with with friends of mine: What would you rather lose, your wallet or your phone? I'd
1: I'd rather lose my wallet. You know. Why? Cuz well, I mean basically you can Apple Pay like you you can still make all the things that yes. you need to do from from your phone. Uh when you lose your phone you're in a bad spot. You're in a bad spot.
0: I completely agree and all the stuff that I need to cancel in my wallet if
1: I lose my wallet? It's in yeah, my correct. phone. Exactly. You've got everything saved there. Yeah. So uh I definitely I'd rather lose my wallet. Although I have to say it's not fun when you do that either. It's a pain in the neck, but uh I certainly I, I lost one a Super Bowl I lost
0: one at a Super Bowl in Tampa. And that was oh, not great, good. trust me. That was that was not an ideal moment for me a few not years good. ago. Um all right, what would make an ideal first season for you? Like obviously the answer is to win the Super Bowl. We know that. Okay. So taking that as the as the as the carrot at the end of the string uh aside, what would make year one for Matt Ryan in India success?
1: Well, you know, I mean you said it, you know, obviously you want to win. Um I think I think just you know making an impact on this team you know and and trying to yeah. you know I think it's it's a young group that has you know knocked on that ceiling of of trying to break through and go uh, and I think the success would be you know number one playing really well but number two also you know helping a lot of these guys realize their potential and what we're capable of and uh, providing that leadership uh, and guidance that you know I've gained. Uh, during my time you know in the league and showing them the way you know to to get it done uh that that to me would be the success of of you know number one playing really well myself but number two making sure we're getting the best out of everybody in our locker room uh, and and making them realize their potential well listen uh
0: that's that's the charge for you as the quarterback and uh, we'll see what happens this season look always fun catching up with you man i appreciate the time and this day and age, at 37, you're young. You'll play for another six or seven years. I'm yeah, sure.
1: easy. What's, what's 43, 44? It's nothing now.
0: That's, that's Brady still as a Patriot. Yeah, Come on. That's, exactly. that's nothing, man. Exactly. We're good. All
1: right, Matty, be good. All right. Thanks, Trey. Always good to see you, man.
0: So, once again, thanks to Matt and Ryan for joining us to kick off season eight. Uh, really excited to see what he can do with the Colts in that offense this year. And even though he really didn't want to talk about Super Bowl 51. Uh, I'm glad he was able to give us some insights on it. We'll see what happens with the Colts going forward. Meanwhile, next week, another great guest for you. If the Rams are going to do something that the Patriots were last to do, repeat as Super Bowl champs in 38 and 39, the Super Bowls, this player is going to have to be a big part of their success this year. Next week, our episode with Allen Robinson, new Rams wide receiver drops. We'll see you then.